miss my soapbox. If you have important things to say, you use a soapbox. If now isn't a good time for the truth, I don't see when we're going to get to it. We are coming together in numbers. After four years of Colin Kaepernick and the few individuals behind him being ignored, displaced from employment, trying to narrow in on one clear message, Black Lives Matter. How many more Rodney King juries? How many more Sandra Bland's, Ahmaud Aubrey's, Philando Castile's, and George Floyd's? How many more of our brothers, sisters, moms, dads, daughters, etc., will experience a life of events leading up to proof of systemic and systematic racism without real policy change? I'll discuss capitalism today and what I gained from Baudelaire's second episode, along with suggest a couple other topics and ideas for future episodes. Black people are suffering from COVID, racism, and staggering unemployment numbers which disproportionately affects minorities. I believe that Martin Luther King's speech on devices, innovation, capitalism relates to today's greed within capitalism. Uh, FDR's equal opportunity speech also resonated as goals of our movement today. Um, However, America did run with Reagan, causing mass incarceration and health and wealth disparities today. So corporations run this government rather than the people which disproportionately benefits white people. I did pick up some new insights on democratic socialism, and I think we need to vote for candidates that support policies to narrow this wealth and health disparity in the U.S. as a very strong and powerful way to destroy racism and inequality, which does include the police brutality. And two ways to fund black communities are defunding the police and changing the tax rate on the wealthy. A question I do pose is under AOC's policy suggestions, when the tax rate for individuals who make over $10 million increases for the additional income, how does this money get allocated to social services in Black communities with zip codes? Or I'm just not sure how that works. And I'll just leave you with some ideas that would be fruitful to take into consideration for the next future episodes. One is intersectionality and toxic masculinity, inclusive um, and focusing on LGBTQ+. And then Black unemployment and Black women in the workplace. Um, Right now, the disparity in youth employment is very high. So just really focusing on career mobility, acceleration, growth, and upward mobility. And then today, many Black Women and men have experiences of entering organizations as the token hire, experiencing repetitive injury and microaggressions, and then the organization denies the racism. There's a targeted attack and the woman or or man, the black woman or man leaves the organization. So I think those are two topics that could be discussed in the future. And thank you. No, thank you, Michaela. That was a great voice memo. I want to thank you first for saying the name Sandra Bland, Ahmaud Arbery, and Philando Castile. I also want to let it be known for everyone listening, just in case you don't know, the killer cops that murdered Breonna Taylor while she was in her home sleeping haven't been arrested yet. They're actually, as of right now, on um, administrative uh, relocation. 
So they actually still have a job too. So this bonus episode is going to be a little different. Of course, this uh, this week's episode was a critique of capitalism, and I gave you guys some background on socialism, how we got here, etc. But I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about what was going on in the world during the bonus episodes. Like I said last week, the formal episodes that come out every Monday, right on time, those episodes I recorded last month in May, with the last episode being recorded two days before George Floyd was murdered. So these bonus episodes are a good chance for me to talk to you current day, record these hours before you guys uh, get to hear them for the first time. So it's pretty fun for me. Also, the episodes that come out weekly on Mondays are curated and I am going in and researching and reading a lot of books. And I actually, it took me about eight months to, uh, to finish that whole season. This whole, look, we're still in the season, so this whole season. But um, yeah, these bonus episodes are fun for me, being able to just talk. There are some people that are just going to want to listen to the weekly episodes, and I completely understand that. I worked really hard on those. I value those much more. Of course, the, that's why these are the bonus episodes. But just in case you want more uh, content and want to hear me expound on some things, that's what the bonus episodes are for. Anyway, to get to Michaela's voice memo, you said in there, how would the money from AOC's tax rate get to us? Well, the same way government funds normally get to us that would be through government institutions right so you would still need to go out and vote for the right politicians to get into office locally and federally that would support those policies and the maintaining and the betterment of those policies so right now i know with the protests and everything you know you got a lot of democrats out there telling us go vote if you you know want to change this go vote and i guess they're implying that maybe if there are more democrats in office this wouldn't happen But Sandra Bland, Philando Castillo were both murdered under the Obama administration. So was Trayvon Martin. And he handled it better than Trump, but that doesn't change the fact that black lives are being lost. And even currently in Minnesota, I believe they have two Democratic senators. And the mayor of Minneapolis, where George Floyd was murdered, is a Democrat. So it's really the right politicians, right? Now, me personally, AOC... Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and uh, Ilhan Omar are probably my two favorite politicians at work today. They really gel with my core beliefs. So whoever you feel, you can hold accountable and whoever, you know, aligns with your interests. Ultimately, people do need to vote their own interests. The thing is, you need to be educated about the politicians that you're going into the booth and voting for and do some research before you go. You know, don't just go and then just vote blue the whole way down or, or vote Republican the whole way down, whichever way you go. If you're listening to the shows, probably more liberal leaning, let's be honest. I also heard you mention intersectionality, toxic masculinity, and LGBTQ+. I'm going to be honest with you. Intersectionality, I've heard Angela Davis break that down a little bit, but I'm not too familiar with the LGBTQ plus struggle, honestly. I mean, I, I, I can't say that. I am, of course, just from what I can see, but I haven't really educated myself. And that's a blind spot in for me, you know, mentally, I really need to do my research and understand. I've heard Huey Newton, the, one of the founders of the Black Panther Party, in the 70s, he was talking about how the black struggle and the LGBTQ plus struggle, uh, you know, of course, at the time he worded it just like the gay struggle. But he uh, was saying how, you know, the struggle should merge. You know what I mean? And we had a lot of, of uh, common interests and both struggles would benefit from working together. So, yeah. And then we also have uh, Tony McDade. 
in Tallahassee who's a trans man who was murdered by the police recently, right? So that murder has been put into the backseat, maybe. You know, uh, it doesn't really get the attention that George Floyd or uh, Breonna Taylor get. You know, I, I do wonder if, if it's because, in this case, we're talking about a trans black man. And it is really horrible that Tony's life isn't being valued in the way that it should be. So, you know, I, I just want to say rest in peace to Tony McDade. And my condolences go out to his family and to all my black LGBTQ plus brothers and sisters or non-binary. I recognize you and I am going to educate myself. If you're hearing this right now and you got something that I should read, please send it to me. I'm probably going to post on my Instagram and ask people for suggestions. But I definitely would like to educate myself more on the struggle of my black LGBTQ plus brothers and sisters. We also talked about being a token hire. Personally, I believe that representation is a bit overblown in that representation only matters if that person is really representing for their people. So if you're the token black woman and you're in those spaces and you're not advocating for more black women or advocating for black voices in general, then in that situation, I guess you're nothing more than a token. But if you're in that position and you're fighting for your people, fighting for the betterment of your people, and just trying to get more voices in the room, then you're doing your job. Otherwise, I believe it's all for naught. But definitely, to all my brothers and sisters that are in that situation, I definitely have been. Since I was a little kid, I've been in spaces where I was the only black person. But, you know, make yourself seen. You know what I mean? Be fully black. It is a lot easier said than done in those spaces because it it almost is like you're speaking a completely different language. But be yourself. You know what's right. Don't conform and you know make a consumable version of yourself right be yourself and while doing that make space for more people like you that whether they look like you or not but just more outspoken voices specifically black people we need to do this we need to get a lot better at this you know keeping the door open behind us but all to the other people of color uh, we all can benefit and help each other out One thing I've noticed a lot this week, and I had a conversation with a former co-worker. He had posted a video of him chugging a beer on the timeline. This is much earlier in the week. He posted a video of him chugging a beer, a bunch of, pretty much a bunch of white people in the video. He was having a great time, right? He's on vacation and there's nothing wrong with that. But I commented and I told him like, hey man, this is a little tone deaf because I haven't really seen you, you know, address the current social climate in the country at all so for you to go straight to you know vacation pics or you know wherever you're at right now it's just a little insensitive i no longer work with the guy but i know that my former co-workers that are still his co-workers you know the other black people that work there i don't even know why i'm being coy so i used to work at disney and the other black people that work at the walt disney company they see him you know what i mean and I was just trying to let him know. He took it as disrespect. He called me and was like, man, I thought we were cool. And I was explaining to him, like, man, I actually did that because we we were cool. You know, I'm trying to tell you, like, hey, your black coworkers are going to be disrespected by this. Because if you're white and you're listening to this or, or whoever you are, at the end of this, we're going to remember your tone during this. Right? If you're out there fighting for us and you're a quote-unquote ally, we expect that. And if you're not... And if, you're, if you haven't posted anything, given voice to anything, but you're on the timeline chugging beers, we see that too. And we know where you stand. You let it be known. You didn't say it outright, but we know where you stand. 
right? And when I challenged him on that, he said, dude, you know, I donated in silence. You know, I donated to the NAACP. I didn't post that, see, because I don't want that. And that's all bullshit. Like, let's really, let's really say what it is, right? Let's nip that in the butt. Donating in silence, and I do believe the purest form of giving is anonymous. But in this current situation, in our current social and political climate in America, there's a public condemnation that is going on of American policy, right? Policing it as an institution is on trial. And for you to say, not just this dude in particular, but anybody to say that I'm helping the cause in silence, it's bullshit. You're not. Your $30 is cool. It's going to get used, I'm sure. But your voice is actually the most powerful thing right now. And everybody should let it be known where they stand on this issue. Because this isn't a political issue. We're not talking about politics. He, he On the call, he was like, man, you know, my social media is all fun. I don't really dive into politics. And I'm telling him, like, man, black people are dying out here, you know? And black lives aren't politics. I'm, I was, I'm really tired of that, right? Even when I worked there and other companies I've worked at, talking about black people for some reason just became political. Like, my life is a liberal platform or something. That's bullshit, too, you know? So what we really need to do is just get over ourselves, Right. This whole like, oh, I don't do it for the shut up. Say it. Say where you stand. This isn't about you. It's not about what how cool you are on Instagram and what you do Instagram for. Shut up. This isn't about aesthetics. This is about what's right and wrong. Donate. And when you donate, post the receipt of you donating. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't, ain't nobody's going to feel a way about that or say something to you about that. Let it be known. Let the people that follow you. Let's say you got 200 followers. Let you know one of those 200 are not with the cause. And they're going to see like, damn, okay. So, so-and-so, man, he, I, I'm not really with this whole black thing. You know, my, my brother's a cop, so, you know, I don't know. But he, he's with it. Man, maybe I should talk to him. Or, you know, create conversation if you're really about it, if you're really with us. And another thing, too, a lot of people, you know, feel like because they know a cop or because their brother's a cop or, or something like that, that they can't support the cause. Man, fuck that. My best friend, my longest tenured friend of my whole life, his mom is a police officer. I love that woman like she is my mom. I can still say fuck the police. Why? Because the institution that is policing is what we're talking about. She is a great cop, I'm sure. But she is not the representative of all the police across America, and especially the history of policing. I can't say because I love this woman so much that anytime someone says, fuck the police, I say, whoa, whoa, my best friend's mom's a cop. Because from their vantage point, and really just remove yourself from this, right? Get over yourself. Get over your brother who's a cop. Get over any of that. That person could say, man, fuck your brother who's a cop. What are you talking about? Why? So because your brother's a cop? You know, every cop has a family, right? You know, um, I don't even, I'm, I don't know his name, and I'm glad I don't know his name. But the cop that killed George Floyd, you know, he has a family, right? So when Trayvon died or when Philando Castile died and people were had the same energy, that the energy has been sustained. But when people were were talking down on the police, I bet their those families were saying, hey, oh, my brother's a cop. Yeah. And your brother could kill black people, too. You've never been in a room with just your your cop family member and black people. So let's stop acting like just because your family members a cop. We're supposed to just give you the pass like, oh, man, no, you're, man, get out there. Your brother could be a cop and you still say like, hey, that's bullshit what cops be doing to black people. I don't think my brother would be one of those people. But hey, it's the system. It's not individual cops that are out here looking to kill black people. 
It's the system that creates cops that think killing black people is okay. They don't even think it. They know it because the system doesn't punish them. They get placed on administrative leave or whatever. They still get paid, you know? Breonna Taylor's murderers, all three of them, those killer cops, killed her while she was sleeping. Got shot at by her boyfriend. Got shot in the leg. And he was the person that left in cuss. He had to go to jail. And they got relocated. And they're somewhere probably in middle, middle America right now, proud of what they did when they should be in jail for the rest of their lives. So we really need to take a hard look at ourselves, right? Like, we will do anything. I had a conversation with one of my best friends. Like, man, I love this guy. I lived with him. I worked with him. I interned with, like, this is my man. He's a white boy. And me and him are talking. And, you know, he sent me a message, asked me how I'm doing. He checked in on me or whatever. White people are doing that a lot now, you know. And he asked me, or he says to me, rather, he's like, hey, man, you know, I'm, I'm with it completely. I just, I just can't get with the looting, man. And I'm like, bro, fuck the looting. America in Europe looted people from a continent, looted resources to this day from that continent. We can't loot with our two hands all that America owes us, right? Now, I'm not out here saying that, that stealing and, and looting is right, but it's definitely not going to stop me from saying I support what's going on in them streets fully, Fully. And on the call, he's just telling me, like, man, I'm with him 99%. Man, it's 100% or it's 0%. We have to be clear about that, right? On the news, you know, they'll portray, like, hey, you know, the looters out there, there, there's people protesting peacefully and then there's people taking advantage. Well, why can't the people looting also be from the community? Why can't they just be so fucking fed up that they're saying, fuck it, fuck Target? You know? Why, why can't that be the case? I don't get why we have to act like. Like, looting is the worst possible thing that's happening. Like, America hasn't been looting black culture for 300 years. There wouldn't be music in America if it wasn't for black people. And how many record labels are owned by black people? Who's looting? How many movies are based off black pain? How many movie studios we got? We just got Tyler Perry. Who's looting? So let's really take a hard look at ourselves when we have these types of conversations, right? Don't look at the protests and then look at that, the looting and be so upset about that that you can't, you just can't get down with what's happening fully. You just can't get down with what's happening because people are dying. Yeah, those buildings are going to burn down. And they need to keep burning as long as these black bodies are being killed. Because you can rebuild those buildings. You can get a new target. The dude that owns Target's a billionaire. He's going to be all right. The Floyd family isn't going to be all right. The Martin family is not, is not going to be all right. The Bland family, the, uh, the Arbery family, the Castile family. I die tomorrow, my family not going to be all right. If it's by the hands of the same police that... Our tax money goes to, to support. And then I want to also give a huge shout out and just, man, all my love, energy, and support to everyone in Minneapolis that is just doing that thing. I am so proud of every single one of y'all, the Minneapolis City Council. I never thought I'd ever want to go to Minneapolis. I'll be honest with you guys, but Minneapolis is on my list now. Dismantling the police department. Minneapolis dismantling their police department is the most beautiful thing I've seen government do in my lifetime. Nothing else has given me more hope for the future. Police are not invincible. The police as, a, as an institution. And people need to stop equating protect with police, especially in the black community. I had to argue with a black girl this week, a friend of mine, and she was saying that without police, rapists, child molesters are going to be running rampant. One, those two crimes can't be the basis of your argument because both of those crimes, police show up after the fact, right? And we know specifically with rape, and actually with, with, with child sexual abuse, the court system doesn't even try the perpetrators at the rate it should, right? Men get away with 
sexual misconduct all the time in America. So this system currently is not working enough for you to say that it doesn't need major reforms for that alone, right? Violent crimes, misdemeanors, those crimes are black and brown people disproportionately go to jail for those crimes, even though they're done at the same rate as whites, right? So who are the cops really protecting? We could dismantle the police department and possibly rebuild it after. Or that money could be directed to rehab programs, juvenile programs, so we don't have children with records from age 13, you know, school programs. Cops have more access to funds than teachers. What does that say about society? That a cop has more access to funds to do their job than a teacher who is teaching the future everybody, every position is coming out of the public school system. That should be the number one priority, but it's not. It's filling up prisons, getting that free labor. What does that say about society, really? And the idea that we just can't, we can't fathom a world without police, you know, without police. I've never felt more safe from a cop walking in a room. I just want to say that. I, first time, I was probably in kindergarten, I remember. Um, no, 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 not, actually not kindergarten. It was first grade because D.A.R.E., D-A-R-E, um, there's like the D.A.R.E., like lion. Uh, I don't know if that's just a Massachusetts thing. Please let me know. But uh, like three cops used to come into the classroom during uh, D.A.R.E. week and show us drugs and be like, you know, don't do this. And every time, every time an, an additional cop walks in the room, I just get tense. I never felt safer from a cop's presence. You know, I always had a, a it always felt like an adversarial relationship because I knew, you know, my best friend, same best friend whose mother's a cop. His brother got his ass whipped by police. My brother got his ass whipped by police when I was a kid. My brother's best friend was murdered in police custody when I was a kid. So what was I to think about the police? Right. And then I grow up and uh, it was about four or five years ago. I get pulled over by uh, a cop. And while I'm reaching over to get the license registration that he asked me for, he had kept his hand on his gun and then asked me if I had a record. I told him, no, he goes and checks, uh, runs my license, comes back and goes, oh, so it turns out you don't have a record just like that, you know? So was I wrong at five years old? I didn't have that experience myself yet, but I knew from those around me and just how black people interact with police on TV in real life, period, it's the same. So don't let these don't let these protests where you see, you know, the cops kneeling. Don't don't let that don't let that fuck you up. That shit is not real. That's not happening. I don't even agree with that ever happening. The the kneeling, I mean, because ultimately the cops are using that as a photo op and they're going back to busting heads right after. Now, whether it's defunding of the police, which is a, a bare minimum. They at least need to get defunded because it seemed like with COVID-19, we were running out of masks. We were running out of this. We were running out of that. We, we were running out of toilet paper in the stores. But the cops all had riot gear all across the country ready to roll. That's a problem, that the cops were just ready for this. We weren't ready for a pandemic, you know. It seems like we're not ready for much else but a riot to keep the middle class and the working class in check. That's really the only thing we're ready for. What does that say about our country? Who are the cops really protecting is the question I really want y'all to think about. And policing as it is now, there are so many different ways where we can change it. It, it just I can't even fathom someone saying that that it doesn't need reforms. So I don't care if your brother, your uncle, your mother, your, your father. I don't care if you're a cop. I really don't care. Regardless, changes need to be made. And one of those changes in a perfect world would be the dismantling. 
nationwide. That money can go to different places. And trust me, our communities can still be safe. Trust me. Time will tell with Minneapolis. We'll see how that is handled, God willing. Inshallah, that that sets an example for the rest of the country. That policing doesn't have to be this way. Black people, black kids don't have to fear cops coming into the room. I don't want to have that conversation with my son when he's 10 years old. Oh, hey, when you're around cops, make sure you act like this. Man, that's that's not right. And the as much energy as we put into that conversation, we need to put that energy into dismantling and defunding the police now before we even have kids to have that conversation because I don't want to have that conversation. I'm dreading it. And I don't have a kid yet. I have no children right now, but I don't want to have that conversation so much. I want to make sure it's not a conversation to have. That would be ideal. You know, sometimes it's like once we have a kid, once we have a grown black child that's no longer cute, we decide right then, hey, okay, I need need to have this conversation. No, that's not the time to have the conversation. That's not the time to have the energy. Have the energy before. Create the world that you want your kid to live in. You know, sometimes it kind of sounds like, you know, when men have daughters and then all of a sudden they start respecting women. And it's like, we should have respected women this whole time. Because ultimately, until all men respect women before they have daughters, we're going to keep having the same problem. We're hamsters on a hamster wheel right now. The dads with daughters are really crazy and are, I'm going to kill a boy for coming near my daughter. The same way they came at women, right? It just doesn't make any sense. It's, uh, you know, what do they say? Like, insanity is uh, doing the same thing and expecting different results. Like, it's insanity what we're doing with the police right now. To get back to my police point. We're reforming to death. Hey, where are body cameras? Oh, okay. All right, how about in the new police reform bill, they have to keep the body cameras on? Come on. Let's get... Come on. How much time do we have for this? James Baldwin said, how much time do you want for your freedom? I want justice now. I do, I do not want to have this conversation. My kids are going to fight a different fight. I can't, let the, I can't let this fight last. This has to be taken care of now. And again, shout out to Minneapolis for... For leading the way. Those some beautiful people. I, I love you guys. I, I cannot wait to get to Minneapolis. Before I go, I want to say rest in peace to Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and Tony McDade. Breonna Taylor's murderers are still walking free. I hope they had a horrible day today and every day until they get arrested. And then I hope from there it only gets worse. As is deserved. This was your second bonus episode of The Soapbox. Please send in voice memos for future episodes. Send them to lasoapboxpod at gmail.com. That's lasoapboxpod at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram at bonos. That's B-A-U-K-N-O-W-S. And uh, on Twitter at Baudelaire. At B-A-U-D-E-L-A-I-R-E. And that's it. Thank you. Listen, listen.